listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. So hey, it's Making Data Simple 2019. Al Martin, your host here. Thank you to the listeners. Um, I didn't think this podcast would obviously take off as much as it has, and it has, and, and I thank you for that. Selfishly, I just enjoy it. So if you if you enjoy it as well, it's a, it's a bonus. Uh, today, I have with me Adam Weinstein as a guest. Adam is an entrepreneur, and he's co-founder and CEO of Cursor. Now, I want to get more feedback, Adam, on your, your path to Cursor, because I think you have a very interesting career path that I think the listeners will uh, also find interest in. But Cursor, the, you know, I read some of the stuff. I do my research, as you might imagine. And the, the one line that stuck out for me for Cursor was, it's a data collaboration platform built to help your team find, understand, and use data more efficiently by leveraging the power of shared knowledge. So anyway, I want to get to that point. You have an intriguing story. I'd like you to walk me through it, introduce yourself, and, and where you've been and where you're going. Yeah, sure. No, thanks for having me on the show. It's really great to, great to chat. Um, yeah, background is certainly uh, nonlinear, right? Like I think it's it's uh, interesting. I think look backwards sometimes. But um, you know, started off life as a consultant. Uh, it was was sort of a you know both technical and business sort of in life uh, from from the day from the get go, right? So I was computer science and business undergrad. Was a consultant at Deloitte for a couple of years, uh, focused on architecture and infrastructure, a lot of data infrastructure work actually at the time. And I think my first foray in data was at a company called Exact Target. Uh, so Exact Target was in the email marketing space uh, in the early days of email marketing. So if you imagine you want to send a few hundred emails, it's really easy to do. If you want to send, you know, 300 million every morning, if you're Groupon, it's a little bit harder. So Exact Target powered a lot of the large, particularly retail campaigns in the world. And um, as such, we had a ton of data, but we didn't necessarily have a formal BI function. So started the, the BI team there, um, was, I guess you could call it first analyst, uh, everything from building pipelines to reports and kind of in between. Um, I think that's where the, sort of where the bug bit me. Uh, so, so been, been in that world ever since. So, uh, it was with the exact target from about a hundred people to well over a thousand, uh, left before they were ultimately acquired by Salesforce, but, but was, uh, was, was two blocks away at the time. So I uh, actually started a greeting card company of all the irony from email to paper goods as a as a side uh, venture at first and then a full-time job for a few years um, and, and ended up selling that to the company that printed them. I won't, won't dive too much in the greeting card space, but like to send sarcastic cards to friends and family and uh, you know was always traveling and never found a way to do it. And so wanted a way to go online, have it printed and mailed with better handwriting than I had and uh, automate the whole thing. Um, and then, uh, you know, made my way out west in, in 2012 to a startup called Bright uh, that was in the machine learning space focused on how to match jobs to people. Uh, so if you think about looking for a job traditionally online, you'll search for, you know, I want to be a product manager or an account executive. Um, we would take a resume and uh, identify the jobs that person was most qualified for, no matter what the title was. So uh, as, as crazy as titles have gotten, like sometimes the skills you have may not necessarily represent the, the title that uh, may be out there. Um, Bright was acquired by LinkedIn in 2014, uh, and so I was sort of the, I guess you could call it one-man data band at Bright. Uh, we were about 55 people when, when LinkedIn bought us, um, and, and, and I ended up joining this, what was at the time, about 200-person analytics org. And analytics at LinkedIn was everything from data science all the way through, um, you know, traditional kind of BI or, or, you know, kind of data warehousing type work. Um, and, and this challenge that we had that was really fascinating and sort of what became the idea behind Cursor 
so I came in, new guy, um, you know, company had been around for 11 years, I guess, at that point. Um, you know, mature in some ways, but but still growing quite fast. We went from 5,000 to 10,000 people over about 18 months at that point. And uh, this challenge that we had around uh, knowledge management. So I, I got tasked with, of all the things, uh, going and setting up LinkedIn China. So we, we had created this subsidiary to, uh, you know, handle all of the sort of uh, new venture slash development that we were doing in China, which I think we were the only social network that was really operating there at the time with a license. Um, and we didn't necessarily have a great place to go look and say, okay, here are all the places to look for data. Here's who owns that data. Here's who manages it. Here's got the best understanding of it. Um, so I ended up having like 200 coffees around the business in my first couple of months there. Um, and, and that was literally that, that you know, it was a, I think it was a Google sheet or, or something somewhere, right, that I built that kept track of everything from code to data to, you know, people and what engineer wrote it. Um, became this sort of really valuable knowledge base that didn't have any sort of structure to it whatsoever, right? It was just my notes from all these meetings. And so I realized that, you know, when you've got these, whether it's a high growth company or just a larger, large enterprise, how you manage um, this, this notion of, you know, what data lives where, what it means, you know, how people use it um, from end to end, right? From, from you know, a- acquisition all the way through sort of consumption um, is, is, is a challenge that a lot of companies face. And so that was impetus to start Cursor, right? And, and I think a lot of the work that we did at LinkedIn was more traditional analytics than, I guess you might call it, design, but it was moving that direction, right? And so, um, yeah, that's a long-winded story of, of, of me. <laughs> it's a good story, though. I can tell you I'm more than a little bit envious here, and mostly because it's not a straight line, to your point. And I'm just, you know, I'll just quote it just to recap here off of uh, LinkedIn, but analyst Deloitte, Business analyst for Exact Target, founder in Ingreet that is acquired by Design Designer Greetings, then head of analytics on Bright.com, then you, which was acquired by LinkedIn, then you're senior manager of business development on LinkedIn, and then you're the co-founder and CEO of of Cursor. Wow! And, it, <laughs> and, and interesting when I started off, it you started out at Purdue with an industrial management and computer science degree. So you have the computer science in there, but you got the industrial management in there. So yeah. Here, here's my first question. Uh, yeah. And that is, um, you've got themes of business intelligence, you've got themes of security, business development, data science. I guess it's all, I don't know that it's all predicated on data either. I was about to say it's all predicated on data. I don't know if the early stuff was. You'd have to uh, tell me. But how do you define yourself? I mean, what do you, are you a business leader? Are you a technologist? Yeah, you know, yeah. The, the, the startup leader, right, I, I, I joke that sometimes I'm as much a janitor as anything else, right? There's, there's no skill that you don't need to have some part of, I think, to be, you know, uh, impactful, I guess, at this stage, right? It, calling myself a CEO is kind of a, a silly thing, right, when we're, we're a small team. But at the same time, um, you know, I, I consider myself quite analytical, right? And so I'm, I'm, I like to be technical, like I like to jump into code and, and, and see how things actually work. And I think that uh, you know, as an early stage company, that helps us get to get to results quicker. Um, I think, especially in the valley, uh, you know, the sort of more technical, product-minded leaders are, are ones that tend to you know, get things to market quicker and hopefully find that sort of magical product market fit uh, sooner. Um, but yeah, I, I call myself a, a nerd that should never be paid to code, but that does too often. <laughs> um, and uh, but but at the same time, you know, one that's that's been. Uh, you know, a user plenty of times in life and that has a lot of empathy toward, you know, people that work with data. And so, um, 
yeah, I think I'm an analyst at heart, honestly. Like, and, and that analyst phrase can mean so many different things, right? That the modern analyst is someone that, you know, they have to understand the business needs, they have to understand the data, they have to understand, you know, that there's 300 competing priorities, um, and they are kind of a, you know, a jack of all trades, master of none, right? Like, uh, or hopefully master of some. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell. So, so uh, you answered one of my questions, and you actually get your your hands dirty, and you do get in the code. You code yourself. Yeah, a little here and there, right? Like I, I don't spend as much time as I wish I did. Um, you know, you could probably count the you know number of places where I've actually contributed something meaningful to our code base. I do, you know, like anything that's non-production. I do a ton of our infrastructure work. Probably most of the infrastructure that's production is is mine. So the automation around that and deployment of it, um, you know, security that kind of thing. Um, within our production code base, I think there's a collective gap in the room anytime I commit anything. So I'll try to limit the number of moments that takes the team <laughs> stuff away <laughs> to as few as possible. But um, yeah, there's there's some of that too. Um, and yeah, it's just a time thing, right? Balancing, you know, going out and selling, developing business, partnerships, uh, you know, setting roadmap, uh, fundraising, all that kind of stuff with like actual time to sit down and code, which honestly can be enjoyable sometimes when you <laughs> when you find the time. So what 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 uh, languages do you code in if you do get the chance? And I get the yeah, process. So, I, mean, I, don't, I don't have the time. These days, if I'm playing around with a product, like so we're Python and SQL based, right? Uh, we offer a Python and SQL editor within the product, right? So I'll, I'll write some Python in there. Uh, a lot of data code, right? So whether it's SQL, Pig, uh, what are the query languages I guess are being used these days? Mostly those two, right? I used a ton of pig at LinkedIn. Um, in terms of our product, it's written in Kotlin. Um, so I haven't done a whole lot of Kotlin. Uh, Kotlin sort of a Java derivative, um, heavily used in Android ecosystem, but we use it uh, just so we can interact with a lot of the libraries that um, you know the, the sort of data stores of the world use. Um, and then you know front ends all uh, React or JavaScript. So I'll do a little bit in that realm, um, not a whole lot, uh, but but you know again dabble dabble when I feel like I. Uh, need to or, or want to and that kind of thing. Well, I can tell you you can talk the language, so you're doing more than just the business piece. Right? So <laughs> good for you. I don't know if the, the engineers that are working with you appreciate it, but uh, it's good that you yeah, they, talk both I, languages. I think they appreciate when I jump in and jump out just as quickly, right? And yeah. uh, but, but, but sometimes it's it's good, I think, for me to be able to be, you know, what's like respectful of, of, of how things get planned, right? Sometimes it's very easy to say, oh, that can get done in a few days. And to understand the depth of the code base, at least at this stage, right, is, is really helpful to, you know, making sure that you're being fair and how things get scheduled. Well, I, I hear you on that. If my team is listening, I, I, I'm always like cut everything in half type of type. Of, <laughs> what yeah, is it, yeah. That Steve Jobs uh, distortion what is it, his distortion field or whatever they used to call it? I don't know, whatever. Yeah, 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 reality field. <laughs> yeah, the distortion reality field. That's exactly yeah. what it is. So uh, are you, I know you're in the Valley right now. Where, yeah. where are you originally from? So originally from Indianapolis, right? So it was uh, Purdue just up the road. Um, you know, tried to go as far away from college as humanly possible and somehow ended up 60 miles up the road. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it went straight up by 65 after that. It was in Chicago when I was at Deloitte. Um, got brought back to Indianapolis for exact target. Um, actually debated moving out west at that point, but but uh, ET was really was a good opportunity, um, and then uh, moved out west in 2012. So the connection out west to, to Bright was actually the same investor that introduced me to Exact Target. So when Exact Target grew and became you know big, I wanted to get back to small roots after after and greet. And so the uh, the same investor that happened to be based in Indianapolis introduced me to the two guys that started Bright, uh, and so I I moved out at that point. Oh, nice. Then, so where do you live? Actually, you, you live in San Jose, where you live? I live in San Francisco. So I'm a 10-minute you know, walk to work, which which is nice uh, 
barrier traffic you've had to experience is yeah, yeah. it's a special uh, special uh, flavor of traffic. <laughs> not Indianapolis, that's for sure. No, you're not, no. A, you're not a Colts fan, are you? I am a Colts fan. It's it's you know our season is over, but uh, if you watch the first six games, the end was still better than I expected. You know, I am you know delivering this podcast from Kansas City, where I'm from. I know, I know. Good luck this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, well, I hope, I hope, I, I pray, or I got a lot of bets that I got to pay up on, and that's not going to be pretty. Yeah, no, nobody wants Tom Brady to win anything else, right? Like he's right. got all he needs. Exactly, exactly. But I got to wear his shirt for a week. Oh, geez. One, but if I lose, so I, I cannot afford that's to horrible. Bet. I know it's like the worst bet ever. You get, I'll pay two hundred bucks to get out of that bet, whatever it is. <laughs> you know? All right. So why cursor data? You know, I was looking at cursor data. I was looking at the you know, Twitter in your last tweet. I thought was kind of a good lead in it said data scientists are spending too much time acquiring and cleansing data. We can reduce that effort if we increase data literacy and collaboration and offload that works to others. And, you know, I, I, I preach on this a lot and I've done a lot of pitches and, and presentations and the numbers are astounding. And that is 80% of the energy uh, of every big data and analytics project spent finding, cleansing, and understanding the data. You get that from Forbes. Only 15% of organizations fully leverage their data. That's also Forbes. Only 0.5% of all data is actually analyzed, MIT. 91% of organizations are not using their data effectively. That's IDC. Yeah. I could keep going on and on, but there's your lead in, my cursor data. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting, right? So we have this challenge at LinkedIn where, you know, a lot of data work, believe it or not, is still done you know, in a very individual manner, right? Whether it's something as basic as writing like an ad hoc query of, of, of something that might be relatively well structured, or it's something that's where you're, you're exploring some raw data, trying to get some sort of insight out of it. And uh, the challenge with that is that, you know, even when you, you're done delivering it, you get to the final uh, solution, the work that you did in between, that might be invaluable to 100 other people someday down the road, there's no way to discover it, right? It's typically on your local machine, whether you're, you know, writing SQL or you're using a Python notebook or you're something similar, there's there's not a great um, sort of tracking mechanism into a lot of the work that's done. I mean, even if you publish a dashboard in a, in a great BI suite, like there's there's no understanding what went into that, right? What was the sort of step one, two, and three before you got to the final result that ended up being published? And so um, that's what the cursor tries to do, right? We, we try to sit in between a data store and some sort of presentation layer, whether that be BI or uh, or, or some sort of similar uh, solution, even even like business applications, and, and track you know, the, the transformation of data, the, the use of data, and ultimately that kind of translates to understanding. Um, and we do that by, as I kind of say, trying to be an analyst knapsack or best friend, right? So the work that they do, we don't want to change how that's done. We just want to make it discoverable by other people inside the organization that might need it. Uh, and we need to be, you know, secure and permissive about that, right? Because there, there's certainly sensitivity to a lot of types of data. But um, today, a lot of tools that are installed locally that, that don't have any sort of collaborative aspect to them, we try to sort of replace with uh, something that does. So, so got it. Um, who is your clientele then? I mean, are you, are you, is it a data scientist? Is it the business uh, owner? Yeah, so I'd say there, there are three sort of main profiles that use the product, right? I think the first one is, is a traditional business analyst. So someone that, that works with data day in and day out. They might be producing reports and dashboards. They might be doing some sort of, you know, ad hoc querying because because you know, maybe they, they support a line of business like a sales operations team or a marketing leader and, you know, they're answering data questions that are being asked to them. But they're using Cursor as a way of tracking the work that they do so that if, you know, their team is more than one person, as it often is, uh, those individuals can 
can share you know insight of the work that they do. So if I go you know build a quarterly sales pipeline for uh, you know one reason, maybe it's to support I don't know a team in uh, in Kansas, right? Um, and then someone else in another region wants to go build a second you know report that does the same thing for a different region. Oftentimes the code is very similar, just maybe a parameter change. That person shouldn't have to start from scratch to get to that answer. So the the key is that, you know encourage people to search to see if something exists before they start. Um, today there's no place to do that, right? If you know the guy, then great, they might send you the code. But if you don't, then there's no um, platform that would capture that that sort of ad hoc code unless it happened to get published to a dashboard. Um, so that's that's sort of one audience is analysts. Um, second audience is sort of engineers and data scientists. I think uh, those folks often get you know pulled into rudimentary you know BI type work because uh, you know that either they do it either they do because they're using it you know sort of prepping to actually get to an analysis or they're being asked because they just happen to know the data the best and. Uh, for them, it sort of creates a, a point of leverage. So, like, if they can share something once, and then everybody else can come find it again without bugging them, uh, that's useful. And then it's also, you know, they write code as well. And so, for them to be able to share with their team, um, we're not replacing a, a, a data science like platform per se, but 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 writing Python within the product certainly is something that, that we see data scientists use. Um, and then the last is actually what I call like a business leader, um, and it's really for them to interact with the analysts on their team. So. Um, for them to be able to search across, you know, a CRM, uh, a BI solution, and even, you know, a data store, even though they may not care about the table name in the database, but to see, you know, the, the sort of effort that's going into creating reports, what data lives where, if there's discussions occurring about, you know, data quality problems and, and how they can understand that, uh, to have that all in one place, uh, much like you would like any sort of search engine, um, you know, I think it's, it's something that's valuable to the business leader so they can understand where their team's having a hard time uh, and, and to communicate when there's when there's questions. So three personas, the analyst is probably half of it. Uh, data scientist, maybe another 20, 25%, or data engineer too, I guess if it's in that bucket. And then uh, business user is probably the last quarter-ish. So if I'm if I'm a business user, I just want to, you know, I, I like look. I'm only the technical to all the all the rest of the folks, the analysts and, and the data scientists, and I just want to re, want to report. I can find reports and quickly run reports across any one of the repositories that you that you have behind that the scenes. We integrate with exactly, and so we're, we're in that case, we're really just trying to operate as a search layer. So a lot of companies have more than one BI solution, right? Marketing might have one, sales might have another, uh, you know, finance might have their own solution. Uh, but there's no great way to search across all of them. So where, where does the pipeline report live? Is it a Tableau dashboard? Is it, a, is it something in Salesforce? Is it in you know some other place that I don't even know? Maybe MicroStrategy? Who knows where it may be, right? But um, there's no great way to, to, to search across all of those platforms, and so we, we help with that. And I have to say, for all the listeners, when I invited you on, I think some of the listeners think I'm always trying to pimp IBM technology, but I had no idea if you even used IBM technology. But let me ask you a question. You know, I'm on the data side. You know, this is making data simple, and I'm a, you know, let's just say I'm a fan of DB2. Do you support DB2? <laughs> we do, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's a great data right. store. Uh, <laughs> support, you know, well, I think answer. anything that talks JDBC under the sun, right? So, uh, you know, if you've got a DB2 instance, you can you can plug it in, um, and, and we see a lot of people do that, right? It, it's uh, Whether it's an operational data store or a data warehouse, like we, we support uh, each and every one of them. So it's kind of a, you know, we've got a version we, we've got called Watson, Watson Studio or our data science experience platform yeah. where you can share notebooks. Is this on the analyst side? Are you able to share like Python notebooks or Juniper notebooks, I should say, uh, you know, with the analyst? Or is that not really the focus? Just to make sure I understand. We haven't built a what I would call like a full-fledged notebook experience. Like notebook, particularly the like, 
you know, the, the interactive, like you write a line of code, you see a quick graph, you write another line of code, there's another graph, like the sort of statistical analysis version of a notebook that Jupyter or even Watson has. Um, I think we see ourselves integrating into those environments more than re you know replacing them. Mm -hmm. um, they do a great job at, at, at what they do, right? Like, and there's no need to necessarily reinvent the wheel there. Um, the Python use cases that are in the product are more scripting in nature. So I'm trying to automate something uh, and schedule it to occur once a day, once a week, um, or every hour, whatever it may be. Um, and and it's it's more of a engineering use of Python. Uh, than an interactive, like, uh, you know, exploratory use of Python. So uh, we, we, we want to plug into any of those environments. We haven't gotten a whole lot of, um, like, we haven't gotten a whole, uh, very deep into that just yet. It's something that's on the on the roadmap here in the next quarter or so, is to plug into Jupyter and other third-party, you know, uh, notebook environments. Like, I think Cloudera has one. Uh, you guys have one that would be great to get into. And I think those are things in the, in the near term that we'd like to do, just because, again, like, Wherever data lives or wherever understanding of data lives, we want to be able to, to capture that in one sort of centralized place. So let me see if I can recap. You got the three personas. You got the analyst where you share code or, or grab data. So you can share code and grab data wherever it may live. Then you've got the data science piece that you can add data science. I presume there's some machine learning models you can put in there. You can answer me in just a second. And then the third one is business leader, C-suite or otherwise. You can They, they can see the data, data lineage and or use re, and or use reports to get whatever um, you know information that they need. I don't know if you have visualization built into there too. But. Yeah. So so the yeah the business leader is really just using it for search, right? So they're using it to hey I'm looking for you know my executive dashboard. Um, you know where where is it? Find it. We're not going to actually recreate it with a cursor. We're literally just showing what that third party BI solution offers. So um, wherever that report may live. If we can fit it neatly within our UI and it, and it looks good, we'll do that. Um, other, other, some solutions, though, we actually just link out to it. So our key is to understand what's behind that report. So like if, if you're looking at, let's say, a, a financial report, um, we want to understand the metadata behind it so that if somebody's looking for a table to get sales data from and we know that there's this sales report over here and what the table is that it's pulling from, we can sort of infer what, um, you know, what's relevant. And that's useful to the analyst. Maybe not so much the business leader. Uh, so for the business leader, again, we're just we're just searching to find reports wherever they may live, uh, but trying to to search across platforms. So anything that a, a business might have where where reports may live, we want to we want to be able to connect to, integrate with, and and sort of extract uh, what's there. So what what's the tech? You know, as much as you can tell me without going sure. into your secret sauce, unless you want to yeah. tell me that too. But the tech behind Cursor is it like federation that you're using across all these data repositories? Is it virtualization? Yeah, yeah. What, what, happy to go into depth there. Um, so, yeah. so you know, we're not operating. We, we actually we do have some federated functionality, although it's not necessarily the the the, the key uh, focus. So, there's two aspects to Cursor, right? So, there's there's a server component, which is basically all of that centralized knowledge. So, if you've got you know three DB2 data stores, and maybe you've got a, a Postgres data store, and you know I don't know a MariaDB database, right? And uh, different teams may use different things. We hook into each one of those using you know the JDBC driver that would uh, uh, you know, work for each one of those data stores. So if you're DSDB2, you can bring your JDBC driver with you. If you're using, you know, Postgres, we can provide it because it's open source. But, um, you know, either way, what the, the idea is that Cursor has this server that captures this metadata from across all these data stores. There's also, uh, but then that, and that also enables search, that enables discovery, um, all the sort of collaboration takes place on that, on that server. It's a, you know, SaaS tool. It can be deployed on-prem as well because we have a lot of, uh, you know, regulated businesses that need on-prem deployment for security purposes. Um, there's also a client component, which is semi-optional in the sense that 
if you're using our cloud version, you typically would want the client just to enable uh, communication with something that's on-prem and oftentimes behind a firewall. Uh, so if you're running some code, we, we never see the results on our server. Uh, you would see it within the client, uh, and that client you know, sort of stops from a security perspective at your machine. So if running some code, you can execute it. You see the results on your screen. Um, the metadata about what you did, so the code, maybe the column names or, or the tables that you interacted with, that gets pushed to the quote-unquote server, wherever it may live. Um, and and that, the idea there is, just, again, to enable search. But um, server is heavily written in, in Kotlin. Uh, so that's you know, that sort of Java uh, sister, if you will, that can talk to all Java libraries. A client, um, it, it, you know, the one that you download is, is Electron-based, so it's, it's an Electron wrapper that wraps a, a React uh, app. So um, much like Slack or, or a lot of these collaboration tools that you see, they're, they're really just web code, but they're, they're wrapped in a lightweight um, you know, sort of framework just so that you can, you can create a more rich user experience. Our product's no different than that. Um, but when you deploy it on-prem, we can actually skip that Electron piece if you want. You can just run the whole thing in a browser. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's a semi-flexible model in that way. Um, makes it a little bit easier to, to deal with, um, especially when you get on-prem and you have you know, security concerns. So you, in a lot of your literature, or, or you know, when I go out there and start reading about Cursor or otherwise, you talk about data fluency. Uh, tell me what that means. <laughs> yeah, so, so we had this challenge, and, and, and I don't know if this is universal. I've seen it at a number of places, which is, you know, when, when companies talk about data, right? Whether it's whether it's a team of analysts in a room, or you've got, you know, a, a big meeting where you've got, you know, all levels in in, uh, in the same place. Um, there's oftentimes not a great way to document like what nomenclature is, is is used and what that means. So say someone talks about booking or new business versus renewal business or uh, churn or any sort of topic that, you know, ultimately is, is a business term, but it has data meaning. Um, and so one of the things Cursor tries to do is help companies get on the same page with with all that. So there's there's a code piece to that, knowing that, okay, if I'm trying to look up one of these uh, you know, metrics that, that that might have some some you know data underneath it. Uh, where do I do that? But then there's also the the business glossary aspect of it, and like how do those two relate? And so we we have a, a you know there's a, a component to cursor that's uh, how do you document or build a data dictionary or a business glossary? Sort of similar things in my world. Um, and and so that's that's a, that's a, that's where sort of that that came from, which is how do you get the whole business on the same page? Um, and if someone's interested in it, and they just they, they may see the dictionary term, but they actually want to oh understand the data, they they can do so. That it doesn't stop at just saying you know this is the definition of new business, but it actually points to a table that that points to a dashboard that uses that table and so on and so forth. Sounds like the data silos that you see within yeah. businesses, particularly business versus IT, breaking that down to what's termed data fluency. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, data fluency, literacy, like I think it's you know, more and more people in, in, in roles that previously didn't require it are, are being required to, uh, you know, understand data and where it comes from and uh, almost, you know, validate that it's that it's accurate. And uh, that's hard to do if you if you uh, don't have a way to go really learn that. No, every every company is becoming a tech company. I think every person is becoming a a data person. <laughs> They've got it at this point in time. Yeah, um, no, it's. <laughs> You can uh, you can certainly say it's going that way. I'd agree. Um, so do do you implement AI now? I mean, I think you talked about some of the ML models you can create using your product, but do you also use AI within the product to be able to uh, uh, predict uh, either or, or like let's give an example to find some of the data repositories that maybe you didn't know exist that may have data that is pertinent to whatever search you're asking, or are you still progressing to that point? 
Yeah, we use it, and I would call it a lightweight way, right? It's, it's, it's growing in usage. I think step one for us was to get the data in or metadata in, right? So know where data lives, uh, know where usage of data is occurring. Uh, step two is then how do you build relevance around what people are looking for? So, you know, data gets stale really quick. And so uh, if there are reports or dashboards that are out there that are, you know, haven't been viewed in six years or the tables underlying them haven't changed in as much time, uh, how do we filter that out or at least, you know, communicate that to the user that what you're looking at may not be relevant. And so um, we're using you know, AI to do that in, in a meaningful way. So as things get ingested into the platform, looking across the platform and seeing if there are other things that are similar, making sure that those relationships are automatically uh, you know, called out or, or connected or created. Um, and then from a search perspective, when someone goes to look up something, uh, you know, understanding that if what they're searching for has other synonyms within the system that, that we can then bring up, um, we, we do a little bit in that regard. I think over time, as more data gets pulled in, there's there's greater opportunity to expand how we use AI to, to, to improve relevance, to identify things that might be useful to a given user. Um, and on the predictive front, I think that's a that's that's something that's high on my list, which is once you know what a user cares about or is 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 involved in. So if you have an analyst that's like a sales ops analyst, right, and they're focused on just you know measuring pipeline and looking at you know performance and and you know, predicting quotas and that kind of thing. Um, there's a number of data topics that they likely care about and that, that uh, you can get very quickly just by monitoring their usage and then prescribing to them or showing to them in a predictive way, like, okay, there's a new report that just came out on the other side of the organization that you might care about because it, it uses 10 tables that you use as well. Um, so that's that's a way that we, we look to uh, begin to start um, you know, deploying some additional AI. So it's it's it's, it's lightweight or early in its, in its uh, usage today, but it's uh, it's growing. What's the persona of your own team? Is it data engineers, data scientists? Yeah, so <laughs> a lot of jacks of all trades as well there. So, so uh, you know, three of us started the company. Uh, Pat was, I would call it more of like an architect type. I mean, engineer himself, he was a principal engineer with me at Exact Target. We've known each other for 10, 11 years. Um, I mean, he cuts across everything, I would say, but heavily focused on the back end. How do we make sure that we're building a scalable, um, you know, don't fall down when someone imports a data warehouse with 100,000 tables, that kind of thing. Um, you know, Jason is, is up and down the stack, right? Everything from front end to uh, a lot of the AI has been has been led by him. Um, and then we've got a couple of engineers that are focused on building and you know delivering the front end. Uh, Tommy focuses on the front, leading the front end efforts on on um, you know actual client and what the user sees in the interface. So um, you know we we don't have any true data scientists on the team yet. It's something we're hiring for in the coming months. Um, that are you know like by title pure data scientists, more research focused. Um, most everybody actually everybody does commit you know production code. Um, I think there's there's definitely a need for that in the coming months, and as well as uh, probably some data engineering needs to, to work on our own internal pipelines just to make sure that they uh, you know they stay uh, resilient as as the company grows. You're, you you got a pretty strong clientele already, right? How many how long have you been in existence? 2017 or so we started the business in uh, on the eclipse in 2017. So it was August 21st, 2017. Uh, we we had the uh, the first version of the product, which was was not enterprise based at all, right? It was it was very much a like a wasn't single user, but it was you know a team could come on. There were no permissions and controls. It was just let's try this, get it out there, see what people think about it in, in the spring of last year. And then that that enterprise version that you could deploy on prem that you know hooked into single sign on and, and could be you know very rigidly controlled within large enterprises came out last fall and so uh, starting in last May till today we've got about thousand businesses on the product um, and and you know everything from hey a company that comes and tries it that's then starting a sales conversation to you know we have students that have tried to use it to learn SQL right probably more the former than the latter but there's there's a healthy mix there um, and uh, yeah that's 
that's, that's do you find most of your customers come to you through the try and buy or do you that's so we, calling? We've, we've done some outbound marketing we actually just ramped that up in December um, and, and we're continuing to grow that just as a it's more of a branding effort than anything like I think challenge in the market these days in any any category whether it's data or otherwise is just you know there's a lot of noise out there and like what is it that I'm looking for to solve my problem and how do I find something so we, we've We've identified a few personas that we're going after um, analysts or analytics leaders. I think is probably the top one, um, and and so that's that's that's, that's something that's uh, we're putting on. But yeah, most of it's been coming to us. Thankfully, um, we, we've you know we'll reach out to a few people here and there where we you know, see like there's somebody that we think would be you know interested in what we do, or maybe they've tweeted about something that's relevant, and we'll we'll, we'll send them a message. But in general, it's 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 been come to us, which is knock on wood. Uh, yeah, makes sense. Lucky. Are most? I mean, what, what's your what's your split between on-prem and cloud? So today we're we're almost entirely cloud. I think the the on-prem discussions uh, so you know 90% plus. Um, the the on-prem discussions because we just launched in October. There'll be things that this quarter we'll just start to have our our first production on-prem deployments. Um, right now they're all in you know POC stage. Uh, so that's oh, a yeah, fun part of uh, the enterprise sales cycle, right? It usually. Uh, Takes a few months to get from uh, first discussion through legal security and then you know deployed. <laughs> very good, very good. So what's up next for you in Cursor for 2019? Yeah, so I think you mentioned one of them. AI is a huge initiative internally. Um, I think there's there's a focus on um, expanding the number of integrations that we have as a business. Like I think we're only as good as things that we can invest from. So if there's knowledge that lives somewhere that we can't connect to, then it's limiting to our product and, and our understanding of the data inside the business. Um, and then I think there's you know, sort of the last piece is, is how we improve that business user experience. So today the product is relatively catered to an analyst. Like, you know, you search for code, you see code, you can write Python, you can write SQL, you can uh, you know, see a lot of technical metadata that, that is probably not all that interesting or exciting to a business user. But there's a way to skin that that is, I think, valuable. So instead of searching for something and finding the actual code, you see, okay, uh, you know, Al, Al owns this code and, and here's how you reach him on Slack and... Uh, you know, here's here's all the other work that he's done, and maybe here's the dashboard that has that code in it. Um, just knowing the persona that you're dealing with and, and catering the UX to, to to fit that person. So that's a that's a big focus as well. Um, and then just you know continuing to to grow the business. <laughs> so is the last question. I want to ask you a couple of personal questions, just in terms of your career, if you don't mind. Before I do that, what are the you know the the takeaways that you'd want our audience to make sure that uh, they don't leave without? And where can they go to get more information? If it's not cursor.com, I presume that's what you might say. But yeah, it's, it's all cursor.com. I mean, happy to <laughs> you know connect on LinkedIn or, or or follow us on Twitter, that kind of thing. But I think you know cursor.com is probably the the main place to start. And you know if you're if you're someone that that works with data on a daily basis or weekly basis, whether it means you just you know work with an analyst that uses data themselves, or you're actually writing SQL or Python yourself, like I think it's certainly try the product, see if it can provide any value. Whether it does or doesn't, I'd actually love to hear. Right? Do you think there's Part of the process of starting a company is, is hearing the good feedback with the bad feedback, and so um, I, I have no uh, no issues with either. I think it's it's great to to hear uh, how it helps or maybe doesn't, um, and so would would love to anybody to to try it and let me know what you think. But um, that's that's probably that. All right, thank you, Adam. So hey, I got a couple of questions. This is what I call the lightning round, um, and the, I think the interesting situation with you is, I mean, you've got an interesting career path. I mean, so. The, the question I, I would ask that I would imagine others are interested in, um, you've had some success with, with startups, uh, and look, you're on your latest venture. What's the trick? What, what makes it work? I mean, what's the trick to uh, having a successful startup? 
Yeah, I mean, so so you know, like, I'll, I'll be honest, right? I'll say the jury's out on Cursor, right? We're still young and, and, and growing, right? It's, things look good so far, but you never know what happens in the future. But I think, you know, in the past, if I look back to Exact Target and Bright, it's finding really sharp people, right? You, you don't have to love the problem before you take the role, but love the people. Um, and, and feel like there's a, a real opportunity to learn from you know those that uh, you'll be probably spending a lot of time around. Um, and so the same exact target, right? I, I literally, uh, true story, I turned the job down three times because I couldn't figure out how it was anything more than just spamming people. Uh, and then I realized there was this whole uh, you know, opportunity to, to build you know a, a permission-based marketing and, and actually really get a deep understanding of a customer and how to how to send them relevant content. I mean, it was early days of marketing automation in, in the industry and has blown up since then. I mean, HubSpot didn't exist. Uh, there were a couple email marketing companies out there, but, but that was about it. Um, but, but the people were great, um, and, and that was that. was that. Bright was the same thing, right? Like, And, and moving out west, I think, was a different beast uh, than, than doing it in the Midwest, like where you kind of have – each city tends to have a couple of big tech companies on a, a, on a given you know decade, but it's not something that you see like you do at the rate you know uh, on the coast. And so – yeah, finding people. Um, and then I think, you know, the opportunity to start Cursor probably only came about because of the success of Bright, right? So we share uh, one of the lead investors and Bright is, is our leader invest, lead investor from called Toba Capital um, that, that uh, was born out of the sale of a company called Quest Software to Dell many years ago. So when Quest was bought, uh, the proceeds of that became Toba Capital and, and they led uh, a big round in Bright and then also led our, our first round of, of money. And so Getting access to those people afforded me access to them, and, and that's what sort of allowed us to come start start Cursor. And because uh, they said, okay, we well, did something that worked out okay one time. Now, you know, we'll give you one more chance. Just don't screw it up, right? <laughs> um, and so that's that that's big focus on people. And then I think having a problem that you know you felt. So me going to China every I didn't go into the depth on that, but I went every six weeks for about a year and a half um, just to try and stand up the operation there and. Uh, you know, I was sort of focused on the ops side of it, right? So data and, and uh, you know analytics and a little bit of uh, you know op, like sort of CRM and sales and that kind of thing. And um, you know we didn't have we was operating like a startup, right? We didn't have the the, the full bench strength of the 5,000 person LinkedIn team. It was just a handful of us that were going back and forth. And so um, feeling the pain of like not having something, you know, someone to ask a question, is what you know really drove me to so. One last one last question, and that is the question I like to ask is, where and how do you learn? Uh, how do you keep up? You've got to be meeting with customers all the time, but you've got to stay on top of things like Python. Hell, you've got to try to figure out how you code some of the stuff and tick off some of your, your developers <laughs> in their, their stuff. But. No, no, you're, you're exactly right. So uh, I read a lot. Um, I try to read, you know, actually I try to read a lot of non-tech as much as I can because I think so much of life these days is sort of the interpersonal stuff that, that's getting missed more and more. But, um, you know, in, in, terms, in terms of like keeping up to date on technology, I listen to a lot of podcasts. So I'm a, I'm a degenerate runner. And so uh, in the last year, I've tried to turn you know, running music into podcast listening, which has been a fun, uh, fun transition. Um, and then, you know, in terms of reading, like I kind of have a list of things that I read on a, I wouldn't say daily, but definitely weekly basis. So uh, everything from you know short form news to people following on Twitter to um, like I said sort of podcasts and 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 it collectively especially if I'm focused mostly on data um, it, it's a manageable thing I think you know if you want to talk to me about the latest in Kubernetes and and that kind of thing I'm probably not going to talk for hours on it because I just I tend to be a little bit more focused although we look at that for infrastructure and deployment but um, yeah it's, it's it's reading I think is making time to do that and that's that's 
the other thing that comes with uh, maybe answer to your last question, which is just time management. Um, I try to make time to to read and keep up to date because no one's going to tell you like, oh, let's book an hour of your time to not do anything and, <laughs> and and do that. You have to make time to read and think. Well, I'm like you. I'm pod- this. I got into podcasting. I'm a podcast junkie, and I did it when I was reading. Now my my wife says, "What were you listening to?" And then I'll say this podcast. She goes, "God, that's boring. I don't know why you can't just turn on some music." But <laughs> but then I don't get as much uh, as much done, right? Look, there's a time for both. Time yeah, for both. Yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I, I've tried to have a little add a little bit more balance because I think the pendulum swing too far on the just just pounding my head with technical topics. But look, you're well spoken. You articulate your tech well. Uh, you've obviously got a great te- track record. So uh, thank you. I don't know how Cursor could not be a success. So I think you're set up for success. And and yeah, we should we should partner as we go forward. And um, I'll be great. Out, you know, separately just as well. So thank you for joining. I got a lot out of this and I appreciate it and appreciate your, your wisdom. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Making Data Simple podcast, where we make data fun. Be sure to visit ibmbigdatahub.com forward slash podcasts to access the show notes and uncover even more great episodes. Remember, the views expressed here are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily represent the views of IBM. Until next time, over and out.